Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And the church say amen, amen, and amen. If you'll stand with me this morning, we'll turn to the word of the Lord. And uh, so now uh, people got to make up for those that are back in super church. See, that's now there's always a dynamic shift whenever we have uh, the super church going on. It requires several individuals, amen, in order to function the way they want them to function, amen. And that leaves us out here going to have to just take up the slack of, you know, five or four or whatever it is, amen, that may be back there. Amen. This morning, going to be turning to Joshua chapter number one. Joshua chapter number one. And looking at a few verses of scripture there. I almost feel like the Apostle Paul this morning. Not because my name's Paul. All right. That was, I was not trying to be corny. Uh, being serious. But uh, anyway, Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, uh, Would to God that you'd bear with me a little bit in my folly he said indeed bear with me and I almost feel like that this morning bear with me a little bit in my folly here today amen but we'll see what the Lord will do amen he have his way Joshua chapter number one again and we're going to start with verse number one and uh, we'll see what the spirit will say amen this morning I'm saying all that because I don't have everything the way that I'd like it but that isn't always the way that God likes it. And so uh, whenever he doesn't do the things the way I like them, I have a conversation with God. I say, God, I don't care for this. And you know that. Uh, but nonetheless, Joshua 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee again just look at the first phrase of verse number five there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life amen and with the help of the holy ghost today i want to talk to us this morning about the power of existence the power of existence amen can we go to the lord in prayer today we need the lord's help father 
I come to you this morning and I'm asking God for your divine direction and your divine unction, Lord Jesus, in this place. You have to minister, Lord God, perhaps to somebody in this house today and strengthen them. God, by the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost, you have to minister, God, to their lives. Strengthen them, Lord. I pray, O oh Lord, today that your word is able to go forth and do that which it was sent to accomplish in the lives of your people. God, it is a settled word. Lord, it's a forever living word. God, let it be alive unto us and in our hearts and minds today. And we will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you accomplish here today. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. God bless you this morning in Jesus' name. And you may be seated today. This morning I feel somewhat compelled to talk perhaps to the person that most days you may feel inadequate. Most days you may feel as though perhaps you even being or what you have to contribute is insignificant. You may be more days than not feeling more like a failure than you are a conqueror. We have scriptures, of course, that tell us that we're more than overcomers through Christ, yet that does not cause us to escape from feelings of at time feeling more like a failure than we do that overcomer or that conqueror that scripture promises that we are or that we can be. Most days, maybe you may even feel that you don't live to the best version of yourself. It's kind of like you bunted the ball. Uh, you, you, you fell short of what you really could be. Uh, you may even sometimes disappoint people that are the closest to you. And with that disappointment, you feel guilt and shame and overwhelmed by what you would consider your inadequacies or your falling short. You may even frustrate some people. Frustrate some of those closest to you. Frustrate people that, that are leading you or people that are uh, any structure of hierarchy of leadership over you. You may frustrate them and feel as though you do. You may have even at times subscribed to feelings of being invisible as though you do not matter. You do not matter. You do not count. Feeling as though you can't succeed at anything. Not, not been very well at succeeding perhaps at your job any relationship it seems like you get involved with crumbles or falls like sand between your fingers you just don't succeed at relationships maybe even primarily feeling like you don't succeed as a christian don't 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 feel like you succeed at this thing called being a saint and coming to church and putting your best feet forward you wouldn't even consider yourself maybe being a vital part of things that whether I was there or wasn't there, it really wouldn't matter. Because uh, I'm not much, it seems like, have much to contribute. May even feel like you're overlooked or perhaps even ignored sometimes. You've been through a lot, but don't count any of those things as successes of what you've came through or what you've been through. You know, you know very well what pain feels like, you know what loss feels like. You've oftentimes attempted to numb all of the nagging and the throbbing of the pain that you have felt in your life or that you may presently be feeling in life. As a matter of fact, if you were given the opportunity to roll up your sleeves and push them up on your arm a little bit, you could parade before us and others all the scars from the trials, all the scars from the situations of life that you have been involved with. And as author H. 
RHCN had said, the pain basically means that you're alive and the scars just mean that you survived. I think I'm talking maybe to some people that have dealt with pain, but the pain is just an indication you're still living. And you could push back your, your, your sleeves and show the scars, but it's just indications that whatever it was that attempted to overtake you, whatever storm it was that blew hard against you, that you are still here. And you are, this morning I declare this, that you are a threat in spite of how you feel, in spite of the inadequacy, in spite of feeling like you have nothing to contribute, you are a threat. Not because you're stronger. Not because you can operate your life with some finesse. Not because you have some special skill or special talent. Not because of any of that. Amen. You, you are a threat and you paralyze your opponent. Amen. They are threatened by you. Not because you are more intelligent or you, you have some suave about you and some techniques about you. None can withstand or resist you. And it isn't talent, skill, or genius that you have but it's just simply because you're still here it's simply because you're still here because people like you that have the scars that you do and the deep of the wounds that you do should not have been people that survived. You're just a threat because you still show up and you still come to the house of God and you still lift up a voice and you still lift up praise. It's because you've been through some things that as we look backward, nobody should have made it through that. Nobody should still be here after that, but you're still here we know like the children of Israel of old that we should have perished our enemies should have swallowed us up quickly as Psalms 124 says the waters of adversity should have overwhelmed us. And the Bible says that the stream should have overcome them. But as a bird out of a snare, we have escaped. And the snare has been broken. We understand, as Israel of old did when they say, had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, then we would have been swallowed up. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side, the water would have overtaken us and the fire would have consumed us. If it had not been for the Lord, these things would not be so. And I understand it today, and you understand it today, that we are where we are and we're still here because of the Lord. But from the perspective of our adversary, and from the perspective perspective of our enemy. Amen. He may not understand all the ins and outs of the Lord's inner workings in our life, but what he does understand is this. Here's somebody that's still here despite the adversities that they face. Here's somebody still here in spite of the affliction that they have succumbed to. Here's somebody that is still here in spite of the entrapment. They still exist. They are not over and they are not finished. Someone say amen. amen. This is exactly how the new king that arose over Egypt, 
that knew not Joseph perceived the nation of Israel that was still in among them. You can read of the story in Exodus chapter number one. The Bible describes that those of the house of Israel that came into Egypt during that period of time of Jacob, during that period of time of Joseph were 70 souls that entered into the land. But now over years of time, that 70 number has grown and they are multiples, multiples of people that are among them. They've grown now into multitudes of people. And the new king says this, amen. He says that these people have grown in number and they are mightier than we. I asked myself the question today and I ask you, what was it about the children of Israel that indicated that they were more mighty than the Egyptians? They did not war during their time there. They did not fight necessarily during their time there. They were just people that diligently served among the Egyptians and labored as just mere shepherds tending their flocks in the land of Goshen. But I tell you today that Egypt feared what the Israelites were. Amen. That they were many and that they were stronger than they were. Amen. They feared them not because necessarily their strength relied in their numbers alone. Although that did happen. And although that was a means of intimidation for the Egyptians. But I tell you today that the Egyptians looked at them and said these are a people that exist. Though they've been threatened by many things leading up to this hour and to this time. And so as a result of it, the new king says, what are we going to do? We're going to tell the midwives that as the children are being born, we're going to take their life. Where if that don't work, we're going to take the sons as they are born and we're going to make sure that they're thrown in the Nile River. Why? We're going to try to snub out their existence upon the earth because the major threat they are to us is not their strength or their number. It's their existence. Someone say amen. Because that king would have to look back over his shoulder and see how these people, who the New Testament says, amen, were not a people, but are now a people. That these people that had, if you will, no heritage, that had no, no parental ancestry, that from a pagan man, Abraham, and his half-sister, Sarai, would start having children. Namely, they would have Isaac, and Isaac would have Jacob, and they would travel from earth of Chaldees all the way to Canaan thousands of miles on a trip and in Abraham's day they would suffer through a famine and in Isaac's day they would suffer through a famine and in Jacob's day they would suffer through a famine. They spent years of traveling, amen, here and there across deserts and across seas. They've been up against enemies and armies that were stronger than them and mightier than them but now right here in Egypt is that same thing People, that same collective group of individuals that still exist. That's why Egypt was scared. That's why Egypt was in turmoil because they should not be here, but they're still here. Whenever we read in the book of Joshua, Joshua is the turning of a page. Joshua is the turning over of another leaf. 
Joshua, no doubt, a part of that nation of Israel, but a nation that had formerly been led up to this very point in time by Moses. Moses had been the deliverer. Moses had been the one with the people through the 40 years of wandering. Moses had already come to the Jordan River once, and now he frequents it one more time. Amen. But only on the east side, never able to go on the west side. He's taken up to a mountain. He dies upon that mountain, being able to see everything that they would inherit, everything that God had promised them, being able to see it with his eyes, but not able to step on it with his feet. There was Moses. He would die. And the Bible says upon the death of Moses that God came down. And what was Moses' responsibility passed to Joshua's responsibility because of namely this, that God could not do what he needed to do with a dead man. God could not do what he needed to do with somebody that did not no longer exist. And he says, so he emphatically says in the opening verses that Moses is dead, but there is a Joshua. He is one that has served at the feet of Moses. He has washed the hands of Moses. When you've seen Moses, you have seen Joshua going up the mount as far as God would allow. There was a Joshua, and here Moses is dead. But the plea for Joshua, the, the, the if you will, job description for Joshua is this, though Moses Moses did not take them over. Joshua, you will take them over. And every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, it shall be yours. Honey, it's only somebody that can exist, that can tread on ground. It's only somebody that exists, that can touch land that's not theirs, but will become theirs simply by existing in that location. He says, it's going to be just as I said. You've went, I'm going to tell you, these are your boundaries. It's going to be the Mediterranean Sea to Euphrates. It's going to be the Jordan. All of this area shall be yours. And these were the words that God spoke to him in verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. I read several different versions of this, making sure I wasn't missing anything. One version says it like this. No man will be able to stand before you to oppose you as long as you live. Another version says no man shall be able to resist you all the days of thy life. Another one says, no one will be able to oppose you successfully as long as you live. And the first one out of all those that I ever read that got me on this journey was this. No one will be able to resist you as long as you are alive. I want you to understand something right here. There are no other variables that's attached to what God is saying right here. There's no other options that are attached to what God is saying to Joshua right here. He's not saying, yeah, he go on and encourages him a little later about being strong and courageous. But in those words of God speaking to him that nobody will be able to withstand him or stand before him or resist him as long as he is alive. There's no other additives to that. There's no other amendments to that. It's not as though, Joshua, you got to feel like you're the strongest man. To be a victorious man. 
That's not spoken. It's not like we have all these other steps and, and things of criteria that have to be met. Amen. In order, amen, for none to withstand him. All that there was, the only prerequisite that there was, amen, to him being able to withstand the resistance and the tactics of the adversaries that he would approach was this. You got to still be alive. In other words, you got to exist, Joshua. And as long as you exist, they won't be able to withstand you. As long as you exist, they won't be able to, they can attempt, but they will not overcome. They will not be successful simply because you exist. I rise on this Sunday morning for every individual that feels like you're just a notch below where you need to be. I come with encouragement today. You don't have to be the strongest right now. You don't have to be the most victorious right now, but I'm asking you today, are you still here? Are you still alive? Did you still come in the doors? Then nothing shall withstand you. Nothing shall. Someone say amen. I read it. I read it over and over again in God's word and in scripture. Amen. I read it in the story of Gideon in Judges chapter number six that many are acquainted with and know how here is Gideon and the nation of Israel as they often were in Judges. Amen. Going through times of victory and defeat. Times of being right with God and being far from God. Yet on this occasion in the book of Judges, Gideon, he is approached and the Bible describes that he is pressed, he is threshing wheat by the wine press which literally interprets he was threshing wheat inside the wine press. He's doing this because for seven years they have been under Midianite oppression. For seven years they have they have went into dens and caves. They, they've not taken their normal housing of where they would usually house, where they would typically house, but they have went and they have scurried away into dens and caves and whenever the opportunity presents itself he goes out with just a little meager means a man of crop and not wanting to be seen not wanting to be noticed perhaps thinking he may be taken advantage of amen he goes inside the wine press and he threshes out just a little wheat for him and his family just to get by another day just to get by another. No wine's being produced because he's threshing wheat in the wine press. None of that's taking place. He's living in obscurity. He's just doing what he can do. I guarantee you that Gideon was such a man that thought, I don't have much to contribute right now. I don't feel like the nation of Israel of old right now being all hunkered down in some cave, in some den somewhere. Yet as he's threshing wheat in the wine press, the angel of the Lord comes by him and says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. Hold on. God, I wouldn't necessarily describe this as might right now. Me and my little sheaves in this wine press as I'm trying to quietly beat this out so my family will have something to eat today because we hadn't had anything to eat for the last three days. I wouldn't really call this uh, some display of might right now. But he says, thou mighty man 
a valley. He even tells him, he said, the Lord will be with thee when he commissions him to fight, when he commissions him to be the deliverer. He said, the Lord will be with thee. Again, he says, thou mighty man of valor. God, I don't know about you, but you must got this wrong. He says, I'm the least, listen to me, I'm the least in my father's house and I am of the smallest tribe of Benjamin. You couldn't get any less mighty than me. You couldn't get any less amen, insignificant than me. The least tribe, the least of my father. You can't get a man that's any lower on the totem pole than me. If you grab dirt, I'm below that. That's who I am and you're calling me a mighty man. I tell you why God is speaking to that old boy at a wine press as a mighty man not because of his skill not because of his heritage not because he was a Benjamite not because he had a field full of crop he called him mighty because after seven years of oppression Gideon was still there after seven years of he still existed You know better than anybody. I could be a whole lot further down the road than what I am. I know that. But you're still here. I could be contributing and doing a whole lot more than what I do around there. I know that. You know that. But you're still here. And there is a power in your simple existence. Someone say amen. We read in scripture. We go over to New Testament. Just bear with me a little bit in my folly today, okay? This is not the way I want to do it, but this is the way it's being done. We go over into the New Testament verse and chapter of scripture that is oftentimes the focus of the last holiday or I should say Christmas that we just came from. I guess the last holiday was New Year's. They all blend together. We celebrate a birthday and a new year. <laughs> but nonetheless, in Matthew chapter number two, I'm thinking there for a moment I didn't have strength to open a water bottle, but I'm still here. <laughs> Matthew chapter number two, the Bible says that there were wise men from the east that had come unto Herod saying where is he that is born king of the Jews because we have seen his star in the east understand that here it's a part of the government the hierarchy of the vicinity where Jesus was born and for them to say that there was a king of the Jews was to step on quote unquote his terrain because he notably was their king, their, 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 the one that they look to, the one that they, the one that they look to for, for help and aid and direction. And so to say that there was such a one that, that kind of stepped on his terrain. And so he had even some of the old scholars to go get into the words of prophecy of the Old Testament and come to find out. And you can read it in Micah that it spoke of the king of the Jews that should be born in Bethlehem. And so it was told into the wise men this. And Herod basically tells them, he says, you go. You go, and whenever you find where the babe is, tell me. Send me word, because I'd love to come and worship too, said the voice of every serial killer. 
He didn't want to come to worship. He wanted to come to kill the one that he felt like he was threatened by. Listen, threatened by an infant child. Or at most, when by the time that, that the wise men got there and left, a toddler, a couple years had expired. Threatened by a toddler with a label, King of the Jews. When's the last time, Brother Malone, that you felt intimidated by a two-year-old? And don't be honest with me if you have. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time you went to the hospital of, 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 of the floor of, of, of where pregnancies are being ended because babies are being born? When's the last time you went by the nursery of one of those places with the big window and stared in at all those different babies of, of different types of skin and hair or no hair, crying or not crying, and you looked in there and thought, this is a scary day. Huh. When's the last time you held a baby in your arms? You thought, ah, this is threatening. But the king seen this. He felt this. This baby don't have enough strength to put a bot or a toddler. This baby don't have enough strength to climb a mountain per se. It, it, it can't do some of the things that an adult can do. It, its coordination is a little awkward. Has it figured out the synergy of all those things of its body parts and limbs? And if the king, amen, is wanting to take its life in so much that the, the, the Bible says that the wise men went home another way. They went home another route. They felt, they felt convicted. They felt, they felt directed in the spirit that they needed to go home another way. Amen. And the Bible even tells us that Mary and Joseph felt like they needed to get out from where they were and go somewhere too because Herod wanted to know at what time it was that the star appeared. He begins to get out his calculator and his paper and he begins to figure it's been a couple of years so I'm going to send some murderers over into Bethlehem, the surrounding area and every child that is two years old and below, I'm going to kill them all. What in the world? Because he was afraid of just the existence. That boy, that two-year-old couldn't win him in arm wrestling. But he existed. When you exist with a promise on your life, it doesn't matter if you today don't have the strength to see the promise to pass. Just simply because you are alive. I'm talking to somebody today that you got a label upon you. You got a promise upon you. You got a, you got a future upon you. And nothing may be going on toward that right now. But because you're still here, still renders the possibility of that thing coming to fruition. Because there's power in your existence. Someone say hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. I like what the author Paul Kalati, amen, said. Paul said this. He wrote the book, When Breath Becomes Air. He said, even if I am dying, even if I am dying, until I actually die, I am still living. 
If I'm dying, if I'm still, if I'm still, amen, until the moment it escapes me, I am still living. I'm telling somebody today, it may not have looked good for you for some time. You felt like throwing in the towel. You felt like hanging your harp on a willow. But honey, even if you're in that progression and it's not happened yet, you still exist. You're still, there is hope. As long as there's breath, there is hope. Let me read something to you. I've preached this to you. I've read this to you many times throughout my time of being pastor here. But I want to show you once again Ezekiel chapter 16. Ezekiel chapter 16. And starting, I'll start with verse number one. Bear with me here just a little bit in my folly this morning. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations and say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem. One moment, folks. My windshield wipers ain't working. I gotta find something to soak this up. Say the Lord God in Jerusalem. In verse 3. Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. And thy father was an Amorite and thy mother a Hittite and as for thy nativity in the day thou was born thy navel was not cut neither was thou washed in water to supple thee thou was not salted at all nor swaddled at all none I pitied thee to do any of these things unto thee to have compassion upon thee but thou was cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born and when I passed by thee and saw thee polluted in thine own blood I said unto thee when thou was in thy blood Live. Yea, I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, live. God says, your condition, your birth, did not have great ancestry connected to it. You didn't have a pedigree and a lineage you could boast about. For that matter, Everything that was typically done for a child that was born was not done for you. You were unkempt, uncared for. They did not cut your umbilical cord. They did not salt you as other babies were salted. They did not swaddle you as other babies were. You were just lying there in a pool of your own blood. You were cast out to an open field. The most despicable sight that anybody could see. But when I walked by, I didn't say be strong. When I walked by, I didn't say change your name so you get a part of a better pedigree. When I walked by, I simply said this, live. You know what he was telling the nation? In her birth, just exist. Just, I know it's bad. And I know all of the variables and the surroundings are not supportive of life. But I'm telling you, if you'll just exist, 
You'll walk through the water and the water won't overtake you. If you'll just exist, you'll come through the fire and the fire won't consume you. If you'll exist, you'll go through times of famine and not be hungry and be able to rejoice. If you'll just... Because there's a power in just being. There's a power in remaining. There's a power. Someone say amen. So I'm telling somebody today, somehow, somehow, you might not be able to give the highest praise right now and your hand clap may not be the most demonstrative, but will you just show up Sunday night? Will you just show up on Wednesday? Brother McGee, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. That's all right. Will you just keep coming? Will you just keep living? Will you just keep it? Because Joshua, they will not they will not withstand you as long as you're alive. They will not resist you as long as you keep on living. Somebody needs to exist in this house. Can I broaden the scope today, Brother Malone? Brother Frick, can I broaden the scope today and take this from individually and broaden the scope? Amen. As a church, a first apostolic church, can I tell you today, we're not the biggest of churches in this town. And we may have had some difficult times, amen, and frustrations over the years of even being here. We went from one church to the second church now to this third church. And there's sometimes I think we could all just go back to the first church and be content. But can I tell you today, can I tell you today that after years from 2007 of being in this town, we're still here. We're still here. We're still existing. We're Oh, you've heard me say it before. Bishop has said it in times past. Others of our faith that's tried to come, they've been snubbed off the map, no longer here. So I'm just saying today to every opponent and adversary, I'm still standing. I'm still alive. The church is still here. Sometimes it feels like merely existing, but God says if you'll be alive, they won't withstand you. They will not be able to resist. Something is to be said for continuing. No clout, no status, that's fine. But there's a powerful testimony in your existence. You can stand with me this morning. Oh, but Brother McGee, if I could just alleviate the pain. Pain's testament, you're alive. I'm afraid we had this conversation not long ago. Whoever it was that we knew that had lost sensation in one part of their body or whatever. Something happened. They didn't realize it happened because they couldn't feel it. Nerve endings and things of that nature were just totally shriveled up and did have no sensation. And them not being able to feel it was more detrimental than them to them than being able to feel it. Because at least when you feel something like that, you can respond. The dead don't feel anything. I've been reading here just recently a book called Stiff and it's about the life of cadavers it's oxymoron yes but the life of people after death that particularly have given themselves to science or the organs and such there's a whole lot more goes on with the dead bodies than just a heart transplant and a lung transplant a whole lot more 
And I guarantee you, the dead can't feel anything, and they miss, thank God, every day they can't. But if you exist, you do. You touch the stove and you draw your hand back. Right? You know when infection is starting to ravage your body because you feel it. As much as we don't like the pain, we must thank God for the pain. Because the pain is a testament that I'm still alive and hopefully I can respond in such a way that I'll live another day. There's some here this morning, and I'm not, I'm not trying to paint with a broad brush, but although that seems the way I'm coming across, but there's some here today that you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be here. What you experience, what you've been through, the troubles you've seen, the heartaches that you've endured, you shouldn't be here today. You should have left God a long time ago. If you went by the voices of society and others around, you shouldn't be here today. But now for 25 years, you're still here. For 15 years, you're still here. And some of y'all's predicament hasn't really changed. But you're still here. And there's that nagging thought in the back of the adversary's mind. If they still exist, that label of promise that was put on their life however long ago is still there. What would happen if they walked in the authority of who they really are? What would happen if they walked in the authority of the promise I placed upon them? And all of a sudden, hell starts to tremble. Not because you're strong or because you're a genius, but because you're still here. <sighs> if we embow our heads all across this building today, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to that one that feels invisible. I'm talking to that one that feels like they have nothing to contribute or they haven't. I'm talking to that one that feels like they have more insignificance and inadequacies than they do any type of successes. I'm talking to you today. You're here. And it would be just, it would just be proper today. As we close this service in prayer, that there would be groups of us that would come forward in this place. We'd extend our hands upward to heaven and just shake them a little bit and say, God, I'm still here. I don't feel like the best. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like the one with, with the most forthright foot in the right direction, but I'm still here, God. And as you testify to God about that, please note well that hell has taken inventory of that as well. You have resisting power today because you have staying power. You have resisting power today because you have staying power. Where you walk, he says, I'll give it to them because it's only the walkers, those that exist, that can claim anything. I wish right now in the Holy Ghost you would find a place to pray. And by virtue of your existence that you would touch some things with your feet and some locations of your life that you'll claim as your own. Not because you are suave or that you, you know how to manipulate. No, but just because you've had a staying power. All these years of tenacity to get back up after you've been knocked down. You have scars to show how you've survived. Yes, we know it's because God's been with us. But our adversary is just seeing a people that still remain. And in the end, in the apocalyptic 
scriptures of revelation, the voice of those even leading up to them as God, strengthen the things that remain. Why? Because there's a power simply in existence. <sighs> Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Child of God, no matter how many years you've been in the church, if you're just still yet, consider yourself a new convert or you've been here for years. There's a power in you being here today. There's a power in your existence today. Moses is dead, but Joshua is alive. And so Joshua, you're going to have to do what needs to be done because you exist. You exist. Someone cry out to heaven right now. I'm still here, God. I'm still here, God. I'm still here. Come on, sir, man. We're going to sing this morning. And I know this is a Sunday morning service, but I feel like God is reaching for somebody that's underestimated their existence, that's underestimated their continuance, that's underestimated just simply being. At times it feels like I'm just simply being. That's all right, sir, ma'am. There's power tucked away in that. Live, yea, I say live. Let's talk to God right now. Brother Mason, if you could lead us in song right now. Father, I love you. I've been changed.
moment to come and I won't let it pass Before your presence came and changed me. I love you, Jesus. Can we raise our hands right now to the Lord all across this place? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, they shall not withstand. They shall not resist. As long as you stay alive, as long as you remain, as long as you continue, there's power in that today. There's power in that today. Hallelujah. Don't discount me yet, adversary. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.